All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday night as I am recording this uh, following the Denver Nuggets' loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers' final score, 119-116 in overtime. I had to take a few hours to not compose myself, but just like sort of reevaluate my thinking on this loss, be able to parse through the information because this was one where a lot of people were angry. A lot of people were upset. I think partially rightly so, partially, look, sometimes this just happens. Uh, This is one of those games, like, look, this is game 71 of the season. The Nuggets are 42 and 29. They were 42 and 28 before this, and they won the previous two, two games on the road trip. Uh, one of them the biggest game of the season, the other a potential letdown performance where they just dominated the Washington Wizards. So am I super upset about this game? No, no, nor should anybody be. I think when I said at the beginning of this of this road trip, I said, hey, two and one on this road trip would be good. And they got two and one. It doesn't necessarily matter how you get it. What they actually did was they won a big game against Philly, which probably boosted Nikola Jokic's MVP narrative even more. And then you get a game against the Wizards. You lose a tough one against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and that's okay. But it did suck. And we're going to talk about why it sucked. We're going to talk about why uh, this was one where that Denver could definitely have won that they let slip through their fingers. They gave this game away through turnovers, through second chance points. It was ugly. It was not a good performance. Uh, Denver shot really efficiently from inside the arc. But this was another game where they shot below kind of 32% from the free th- from the three-point line. And that's kind of the margins. When one team makes 14 threes, the other makes 10, uh, them's the breaks. That's, that's just how this goes. But there were just a few plays that were going on down the stretch that I want to talk about before getting into the, the starters. I'll talk about the starters, then I'll talk about the bench. And then I'll talk about Will Barton in the third segment specifically, because I know a lot of people want to talk about Will Barton. They want me to rail on Will Barton. And I get it. I understand. But the plays to end the game, I thought, were very frustrating. First of all, Denver gets a stop uh, tied uh, in regulation. It's right at the end of the fourth quarter. They get a stop. The ball's in Bones Highland's hands. Denver can't really get organized. Will Barton walks up the court, doesn't necessarily get to the spot that Nikola Jokic is in, uh, that he wants him to be. Bones runs a pick and pop with Jokic. Jokic sees the court, sees the shot clock, chucks up a prayer of a Sambor shuffle, despite the fact that Will Barton's man, I don't remember who it was. It might have been Isaac Okoro, might have been uh, Darius Garland, I don't remember. But he chucks up a prayer of a Sambor shuffle from about 28 feet, rather than passing to Will Barton on the weak side, who was wide, wide, wide open, was calling for the ball. I know Jokic sees that. I know he's not ignoring that. Or I know he's I know he's not missing that. So I just thought it was a notable play that when you're in that situation, I'm surprised that Denver didn't call timeout. They probably should have. Let's be honest. You want to put on... Um, like you don't want to just you you can run down the clock after that, but you can put on better personnel, maybe some guys that have been making shots. And I was just surprised that Michael Malone didn't call timeout. I thought that was bad, but you live with it because you still get to go to overtime. 
And then in the overtime, Denver goes up five, and you feel pretty good about where they are. And then you get a turnover. You get a ch- uh, it wasn't a charge. You get a turnover by Jokic. Things just keep going pretty badly. Um, and there were just too many plays, I think, where Denver wasn't fully on the same page defensively, where they gave out a kickout, where they gave up a second chance opportunity, and where guys weren't necessarily stuck to their man like they should have been. Jokic and, and Barton basically switched assignments out of a timeout where Barton's guarding Laurie Markkinen to stay on the perimeter. Jokic is guarding Isaac Okoro in the corner. Garland kicks it out to Okoro. He gets a small step on Jokic and drives, but Barton helps down one pass away off of Laurie Markkinen, who had been killing Denver. Laurie Markkinen gets 31 points tonight on 6 of 12 from 3. And the reason that Barton helped, I I don't really sure. I don't I'm just not really sure because that's just a situation where you don't want to give it up one pass away. You don't want to give a like obviously you don't want to give a free driving lane, but it wasn't a free driving lane. Like Jokic could have absolutely recovered there. And Barton sunk down way too far off of Larry Markin and gave him a wide open three. And Larry hit it. Them's, them's the breaks. And there were a couple of other plays that I kind of screwed up, and there were some missed shots and whatnot. And ultimately, you get Denver up one, um, or no, down one with about 24 seconds left after Jokic scores on an inbound play with about 28 seconds left. And so you know there's 24 seconds left, so you're you have to foul. Like that's that's sort of my impression of this, that there's 24 seconds left on the clock. If the opposing team takes a shot clock violation, then you're going to have like 0.6. I'm pretty sure it was. And if you have 0.6, that's basically close to zero. Like you're not going to, you're not going to get off a good look. So you probably should foul despite the fact that you're down one and just hope that they missed a free throw. Hope that it gives you a better opportunity. And then Denver lets Darius Garland walk the ball up the court and they decide to try and soft trap him. They're not fully on the same page. Garland swings it around. The ball finds uh, somebody in the corner and then the ball is then thrown into Evan Mobley, who's wide open after Barton and Jokic both close out to the corner at the same time. And Evan Mobley gets a, a dunk and an and one opportunity that would have put the game out of reach up four. But then Evan Mobley misses the free throw. And so you have an opportunity down nine or down uh, like with nine seconds left down three to create a three point opportunity. And Denver actually gets a pretty good look off of a scramble situation. I don't think they had a timeout at the end of the game. I could be wrong. But Denver gets a good opportunity where Jokic is kind of going downhill. Players close out to him and then he kicks it out to Bones, who has a nice open look for a three. And he just breaks it. And look, that's that's the breaks. Bones had a really good night tonight, and he missed the shot that was probably the most important one. And he's going to miss a lot of those throughout his career because you only shoot a certain percentage on threes. And it's usually f- below 50%. It's certainly below, like, it's certainly below 50%. It's probably below 40% for most guys. 
But even in the clutch, like it goes even further down. So it's tough. It's a good learning opportunity for Bones right there. But I just think that Denver messed up their end of game management in a lot of different ways. And there were some really odd mistakes that were going on throughout the game where you got a traveling violation on Aaron Gordon, which was a little bit of a phantom call. You've got some odd shots being taken by Will Barton where Denver can't get the ball to Jokic, who was dominating this game, and they slowly just kind of falter and and like blow away in the wind because they can't keep up with the Cavs who are just getting any shot that they want. So it's tough. It's a tough way to lose. Um, Tell you what, let's go over the bench first because I feel like I have fewer – notes on the bench overall than I do on the starters. I want to devote an entire segment to them. Let's go over the bench first. Uh, Bones Highland had a fantastic game. Uh, no questions asked. 17 points on 6 of 13 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 2 of 2 from the line, 3 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, just one turnover. And that's key here, right? Like As he has continued to gain more responsibility and gain more opportunity to lead the team, the turnovers and the mistakes haven't gone up. They've sort of stayed around the same level. And he's actually become a much better decision maker overall, just as he has continued to gain this responsibility and just learn on the fly. It's been really impressive to watch. And uh, the offense with him has just been fantastic. He deserves a lot of credit for setting the table for the bench, but also finding opportunities in transition, uh, in the half court to be able to get his own offense without stepping on anybody else's toes. He's been just very, very good, and he's the guy that they turn to consistently as they should. He got the opportunity to close tonight over Monte Morris, and it's a great developmental opportunity, and I appreciate Michael Malone for using this opportunity to do that. He's going to learn a lot in these situations, and I think one of the things that he's going to learn He's giving up a bunch of offensive rebounds right now because of his size. And there was one from Karis LeVert tonight that was pretty tough. Uh, I forced Nikola Jokic into a fouling position because Bones didn't box out his guy. There was another one, I think, uh, where you switched on to Kevin Love or Larry Markkinen or one of the white bigs. And they got an opportunity at the rim because they had just a, a six foot three, one seventy pound guy uh, on them that didn't really it didn't really do anything to them from a rebounding position. Uh, so that's obviously tough, uh, but that's not necessarily something he can control right now. You think about the things that he can control versus what he can't, and for what he can control, he's been doing really, really well. Uh, three steals once again. He's getting into passing lanes. He's figuring out how to impact the game at his size with his frame. And he's doing it on both ends of the court, which is very nice. Uh, he's definitely taken over uh, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers. Neither of those guys are playing as many minutes as Bones anymore. And it is I just find it very interesting that this is the way that things have gone of late. Because a lot of times you'll see rookies hit the rookie wall, especially for a team like Denver that's trying to fight for the playoffs. And a guy like Bones, you would definitely sit most of the time, or maybe you'd be reliant on Forbes and or Rivers if you're looking for 
other veteran guard play. But Malone's been very comfortable going to Bones over the course of these past few games especially. And as he has played well, Malone has rewarded him with more and more playing time, more and more responsibility. And it's definitely helping Denver long term. I said something on Twitter tonight that uh, another way that Denver can think about this game and Nuggets fans can think about this game is that they traded this loss for a developmental opportunity for Bones. I didn't mean that in a nefarious way or trying to blame Bones for this loss. I do think that Denver wins this game with Monte Morris, and that's not to knock Bones. It's more to knock what Denver's been doing with their starting unit and how they looked like garbage trying to organize the offense late, where you're trying to get the ball to Nikola Jokic, and Will Barton and Aaron Gordon are just really struggling to figure out ways to do that without turning the ball over and making a mockery of it. And I think that Monte's better at that. So I think that Monte probably should have closed over Bones, and they or not over Bones, but even if he did close over Bones, it probably would have been better just because I think you get better offense down the stretch. Um, That's not a knock on Bones. Again, I obviously think that Monte should have closed over Will, but we'll get to that. On the rest of the bench, DeMarcus Cousins, really good game from him. 12 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, didn't like He wasn't perfect in terms of like closing out on Kevin Love or uh, contesting shots at the rim. Uh, from a rim protection standpoint, like there, there were some good moments, and don't get me wrong, like he he had some good opportunities where Karis Leverts and uh, Dylan Wind, not Dylan Windler, um, Darius Garland and Isaac Okoro and guys like that, they couldn't really finish at the rim because he was there, and he did a great job, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, also hit back to back threes, I think. I think they were back to back. They might not have been, but they were pretty close together. Uh, and I think that he should continue to let it fly. Uh, the one thing that I would, I'm a little bit concerned with is the, like, again, the two point percentage where he's trying to lay the, lay the ball up on the rim. It's just missing so badly right now in a lot of cases. And there are going to be opportunities in the playoffs where that's going to be more impactful, but it's hard to criticize right now. He basically led the team. He was second on the team in plus minus tonight. So. He was not the issue in any way, shape, or form. Don't don't get it twisted. Uh, Jermichael Green, same thing. Eight points, three of four from the field. Two of three from three for Jermichael Green. He's up to, I think, 27.6% from three on the year. It's not a great number, but with the offensive rebounding that he's doing, with the kind of backline rotations that he's doing, how he's fighting on the offensive glass, he's become a very valuable player of late. So got to give him credit there. Uh, Austin Rivers, very low shot total numbers. Like he only took one shot, made it one of one from three, but he also had three rebounds, three assists, only one turnover. And Denver played their best minutes when Austin Rivers was on the court. And he's another guy where I'm kind of surprised that he didn't close the game. And finally, Bryn Forbes, uh, he had a five minute stint in the first half and he had a six minute stint in the second half for 11 point or 11 minutes. Two points, one of four from the field, 0 of two from three. He is clearly the 10th man of the rotation right now. And like DeMarcus Cousins is definitely going to be there given what he's done. Right now, Jermichael Green's there. Bones Highland, obviously the sixth man. Austin Rivers is probably the seventh man. Bryn Forbes is definitely 10. 
It's definitely the low end of the totem pole. So if you're thinking of what's going to happen if and when Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray come back, I think Bryn is probably the guy that you're looking at getting cut uh, just because he hasn't provided a lot from like other than the shot. He hasn't really provided a lot defensively or really connectively or anything like that. I think that they could think about replacing that with other guys that do maybe other things, but maybe shoot the ball not as well, uh, but not necessarily in Porter's case and maybe not even necessarily in Murray's case, to be honest. So we will see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to circle back to the starters. Uh, I wanted to spend more time on them in the second segment, and I think that they get their due diligence from me. But first, as you know, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, where the tournament is in full swing right now. And folks, my bracket is looking like the the red wedding at this point. It is not good. There have been a lot of misses. Uh, But if you are smarter than me and have been paying attention more than I have, uh, and you're you're interested in looking into what the the odds are for some of these upcoming matchups, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you an opportunity to join the action on the court where you turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game together for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code MHS. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, back here. Pickaxe and Roll, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love, all the support. As always, if you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts would be fantastic. I showed some of these reviews to my aunt and and my uncle over over yesterday, actually, when I just went to go spend the night, watch some tournament games. They, They live a couple hours away from Denver, so... They were curious to see what I did and and how I was how I was doing when and some of the reaction that I get from from my work. So it's it's just so overwhelmingly positive, and I, I wouldn't be able to do it without that because I'm so so in desperate need for craving positive affirmation. So thank you so much for satisfying that urge. All right, let's get into the starting lineup. Uh, what we can talk about from them. I guess I can start with Monte Morris, who didn't close the game. Michael Malone said that he closed with Bones because Bones was playing well. It wasn't that Monte was playing badly. Two points, one of four from the field, oh of one from three. Four rebounds, two assists, one block, two turnovers. A two to two assist to turnover for, for Morris is like 
basically, if if somebody committed a murder scene on on the box score and in other guys' uh, opportunities places, so whatever that word was, uh, Morris very rarely has a two to two assist to turnover ratio. Is what I'm trying to say. He is probably the guy. Like I, I I'm not surprised that they didn't close with him. I am surprised that they picked that he picked Will to close over Monte. That was a little bit odd. Uh, but given the given the matchups, given that Cleveland plays pretty big and that there are a lot of guys that you have to box out and having Monte and Bones on the court uh, would probably provide some weaknesses, I can understand why the initial thinking there was that Bart would be a better choice than Monte. So I don't I don't necessarily blame Malone for, for that particular decision. Don't get me wrong. Uh, what I will say, is that uh, no? I'll I'll save it. Jokic, uh, Jokic goes thirty-two points in thirty-eight minutes, fifteen of twenty-four from the field, zero of four from three, including a couple prayers, uh, two of two from the free throw line, ten rebounds, only five defensive rebounds is something I'd like to point out. Like we can talk all we want about other guys not necessarily rebounding to their peak. Jokic usually averages about nine defensive rebounds, 10 defensive rebounds, 11 defensive rebounds a game, and he only picked up five. And some of that is more schematic than anything. Some of that is because Evan Mobley was always in the paint. He was always having to be dealt with, but he is a rookie. And if it was Larry Markkinen, if it was Kevin Love, like there were some other guys that, that Jokic had to deal with. But I do think that Jokic probably could have grabbed some rebounds a little bit better. He had a couple that were kind of taken out of his hands. And when you have that, you don't necessarily think about it until the end. And yeah, maybe maybe Jokic could have grabbed a couple extra. But that's kind of um, – it's kind of like criticizing the Mona Lisa because because uh, she looks sad uh, when, when in reality it is a work of art. Um Jokic had 32, 10, and 8 with two steals and a block, had four turnovers, but that wasn't as big of a deal. And he he was playing a fantastic game. He was scoring at an an unbelievable level, and he was 15 of 20 inside the arc. So when he had the opportunity to get the ball in the paint, he was basically unguardable, unflappable. So it's tough that he wasn't able to get the ball more down the stretch. It's just one of those things that if Denver's in a situation where they're constantly trying to post him up, if they're constantly trying to get him the ball so he can make the decisions, I don't like that down the stretch. Like if if you have that 1A option that you're trying to go to over and over and over again, and the opposing defense is making it impossible to do so, like the way that Cleveland was playing denial defense on Jokic down the stretch was incredible because they would have like Larry Markinen on him, and then they would have Evan Mobley rotating from God knows where to try to take away a passing lane. And then they'd have Kevin Love in the background, or maybe he'd be on Jokic at times. And they were basically triple teaming him with their three bigs. And the problem that you run into is when nobody can take advantage of that down the stretch, then it's an issue. Then you're running into some problems where Will Barton goes two of six from three, wasn't that like he he goes one of eight from two point range and the one shot was right in the restricted area. Aaron Gordon goes zero of four from three. 
Jeff Green goes 0 of 1 from 3. Denver's just not able to space the floor in a proper way for Nikola Jokic when teams are trying to deny the basketball to him. It's tough because if you're if you're Jokic, you're just there's nothing you can do. Like literally there is nothing that he could have done better to get the basketball tonight, I don't think. Maybe he should have been bringing the ball up the court more. Maybe that's something that he should have tried. But it's exhausting to do that, and I understand why he didn't. And when you're trying to run a set, sometimes the best thing you can do is just break from the set, get to the action that you know you want to get to by just dribbling down into the post. Or maybe the post was the wrong place to be operating from. Maybe he should have been operating from the the free throw line or the top of the key or the elbow or whatnot. But we've seen this over and over again with Denver, where they struggle ad nauseum to get Jokic the basketball. And whether it's a coaching thing, whether it's a player's not executing what the coaches are saying kind of thing, whether it's simply uh, not enough effort, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think I have my suspicions. I don't think that Barton and Gordon have acquitted themselves well as post passers at all over the course of this year. Gordon was initially very good, and I think that he has regressed in that skill. But Jokic was really good. The one major criticism I think you can have for him, other than the rebounding on the defensive end, was that Larry Markkinen was his man on several occasions. And when he got switched out onto him, Larry Markkinen would space from three. Larry Markkinen would hit open shot. And Jokic couldn't close out to him. Same thing with Kevin Love on occasion, where both of those guys shoot at least 44% from three. That's a killer. Like, you can't have that happen. You got to be able to get out to the three-point line. Now, if you're Jokic, the other guys that are guarding can't stay in front of their man, so you also have to help at the rim. That is a tough place to be. It's really tough. It's it's like, it's it's a painful process, and... I think there's a, there's a lot to it from a lot of different perspectives, but if I'm Jokic, I'm controlling what I can control and making sure that my man, Laurie Markkinen, or my man, Kevin Love, doesn't hit an outside shot in rhythm wide open. Will Barton. Let's talk about, actually, we'll, we'll save, we'll go Jeff Green, then Aaron Gordon, then Will Barton. Jeff Green, three of five from the field. 0 of 1 from 3. The one shot that he missed was a key fourth quarter uh, three-point shot that was wide open in the corner. And he had to hit it. He didn't hit it. That's becoming more of a theme of late. He struggled in switch situations against Darius Garland. He struggled in switch situations against the bigs. Uh, Didn't necessarily close out the way that you would want him to. Once again, uh, it's tough. Like, he... I think Jeff Green knows what to do in all of these situations, and he has been a very functional player for what the Nuggets need because he just knows what to do, and Jokic can take advantage of that on cuts. Uh, Other guys can take advantage of that. He also had a post-up today where Denver needed somebody to make a play with the basketball. The ball found him. He posted up and threw up like an 8-10 to foot hook shot in the middle of the lane and, and got it to drop. And Having a guy who can do that is very important, but it's just so low volume most of the time that you have to look at the other things. You have to look at the way the teams are guarding him, that the Nuggets are spacing the court 
when he doesn't have his opportunities. And the way that the Cavs were defending, like you almost want Michael Porter Jr. out there in place of him just so that Kevin Love can't rotate out onto uh, – like he can't rotate into the middle of the floor because it just was, it's just not a – it's just not a viable situation for Nikola Jokic specifically or the rest of the team. Right now, Jeff Green's down to 29.9% from three. This is the first time since I think January, not January, pretty early in the season that he's dipped below the 30% mark. Since January 1st, he's averaging 26% from three. And he's on such low volume that it may not matter. And, and he's still providing good positive offensive value because of his finishing at the rim, uh, his cutting, and also his free throw shooting is really, really good. But I think that Denver could use more. And what he's providing just hasn't been enough when Denver doesn't have their A game. When they have their B game, sometimes they need a little bit more from him. And you're, you're just kind of left wanting a lot of the time. In addition... Denver got caught with their, uh, like, looking at the rebound on several occasions tonight. Jeff Green had two offensive rebounds, or two defensive rebounds, in 34 minutes. And on the final, like, one of the last plays, there was a kick out to, was it Larry Markinen or Kevin Love? I don't remember, but Darius Garland missed a floater and then proceeded to grab the rebound amid Jokic, Will Barton, and Jeff Green. And Jokic, I don't blame because he was dealing with Evan Mobley on his back. Like he was trying to box him out during that process. But Jeff Green didn't have a man on him. Will Barton didn't have a man on him. They let the ball drop right below, right between them to six foot one Darius Garland. And that's a problem. You can't let that happen. It also led to a kick out three, which was basically the dagger for the Nuggets. That's bad. Aaron Gordon tonight. 20 points, 9 of 15 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3. He had so many shots in the painted area, in the restricted area, where you don't necessarily like think too much about the threes. But 8 of his shots and 8 of his makes came from inside the paint. 7 of them came from inside the restricted area. One of them was a jumper where Jokic, one of them was a mid-range jumper. The only other shot, a mid-range jumper where Jokic was being fronted, where there was a, like there was just so many people devoting so much attention to him that Aaron Gordon just found himself wide open from, from the elbow and took the jumper and made it. And that was good. But he is another guy who is down to 31% from three and I just continue to worry that in a lot of situations where the Nuggets, where they need defense on the floor, they're going to have Jeff Green in place of Michael Porter. Like that's just what I think is going to happen. And they're probably going to have Aaron Gordon at the three. So you're going to have the Gordon Green Jokic lineup in a lot of ways. And now you know that Nikola Jokic is going to have to deal with the fact that Aaron Gordon is a 31% three-point shooter. And Jeff Green is a 30% three-point shooter. And neither of those guys are very good at spacing the floor. And life is going to get very difficult if you're Jokic. That's going to be very frustrating to me in particular because I'm going to get a lot of opposing fans in my mentions being like, 
Wow, Jokic had a really tough game tonight. Seven turnovers trying to thread the ball the thread the ball to a, a pass that wasn't there. And because the pass wasn't there, you have to then look at the reason why. That's well, because Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon's man, they both have a foot in the paint. I'm concerned. I think he'll probably bounce back and be fine by the playoffs. And, and maybe he'll prove me wrong and he'll shoot 45% from three in the playoffs. And that would be fantastic. I, I am, look, I'll jinx that as often as I possibly freaking can. Uh, but I'm just, I don't think it's going to happen. Finally, Will Barton tonight. Look, I saved the worst for last. Um, 10 points, 3 of 14 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. One of those threes did come in overtime, I will say. But he had 7 rebounds, and like that's that's a good number in and of itself. 3 assists, eh, not great. Could have been worse. 2 turnovers, oh well, not, not that bad. The problem is how it feels and how it looks and how he's operating in situations where Jokic very clearly needs the ball in a certain place, where the offense has been functioning well when Jokic gets the ball, and then there are so many opportunities where when Will Barton has the ball, Aaron Gordon's trying to create for himself. Monte Morris did turn it over a couple times today, so he's not necessarily the problem. Bones Highland was more successful than Will with the ball in his hands. But Will just continues to kind of push the envelope in situations where he doesn't have it and he hasn't been playing well. The team could probably use a change of pace. And for whatever reason, Michael Malone stuck with Will Barton tonight. I don't know what it was. I wasn't able to ask. I might not have asked anyway, because sometimes when Michael Malone looks at you after a question about his rotations like that, he's just like giving you the death glare. And it's not great because, look, Will Barton's a starter. More often than not, like 90% of the time, he is going to get the benefit of the doubt because he has proved it in various points and he's hit clutch shots at various times and he makes good plays at various times. He shoots the ball uh, from the free throw line pretty well. He sets up Jokic pretty well when he's given the opportunity to be in the pick and roll. Um... And then there are times like tonight where it just didn't feel like it mattered because he never necessarily got to those shots. And it felt like every time he touched the ball, it was a bad look for either the Nuggets or for Will himself. And yeah, like it's, it's just one of those things with him. Right now, he's not doing anything well. And... He had a game against the Sixers where he played really well and he shot the ball really well. And there were some other holes in his game, but at least he shot an efficient 20 points and that's great. Right now, though, he's not really doing anything well. He's shooting the ball pretty poorly. He's not playing defense. He makes some high leverage mistakes. And when you struggle to get the ball to your best player, that's in like a definite debit against you from a, a, a perspective of why are you on the court? Like Denver could also struggle to get the ball to Jokic with Austin Rivers on the court, who's a little bit better defensively, or Monte Morris on the court. Actually, they wouldn't struggle with Monte Morris on the court to get the ball to Jokic. Like he would be much better in that situation. 
Do you take away a little bit of size? Yes. Would it have mattered? I don't know. But I do think that Will's been playing badly. He's been playing badly for a while now. And you run into these situations where he's just very bothered, I think, from a energy standpoint, from a physicality standpoint. I'm going to go over some stats with him in the third segment. Um, but it doesn't seem like he has the burst. Doesn't seem like he has the ability to get to where he needs to go for the offense to run if he's going to have the ball in his hands. And as a result, it could struggle. And then if he's not hitting the shots that Jokic dishes out to him and that others dish out to him, then what really is the value in having an offensive-minded wing? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But I'm going to talk about Will in the third segment here. So, tough loss. I hate it. it it's too bad that they couldn't go 3-0 and on this trip. That would have been fantastic. I guess I did jinx it because I did tweet about that before this game. Um, it's also not the end of the world, so don't uh, don't necessarily think that it is. Denver's just got a, a tougher road now. They've got to figure it out. They've got to get a win that they may not have. We'll see if they can do it. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to wrap up with an, an extended stint, an extended uh, discussion about Will Barton. We'll be right back. back final segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in uh tough loss i get it like everybody's gonna be down about it and i fully understand but some of the criticism sometimes go a little bit too overboard of michael malone of faku Campazo prior to that uh but also of will barton and will has been a very strong whipping post for nuggets fans for well, frankly, much of his career here, uh, but especially lately that in this particular season where you have uh, Murray out, where you have Porter out, where you have Jokic playing at such a high level that the spotlight is always going to be on the other guys where it's pointed out Aaron Gordon's uh, kind of mistakes at times. It's pointed out Will Barton's mistakes at times. It's pointed out Monte Morris's deficiencies at times. Everybody's kind of put under the microscope. And I think that in the midst of what is kind of a down season from Will Barton in general, uh, I think that though his two-point percentage has been higher, I think that his three-point percentage now is a little bit low. There are some indicators that I'm going to share in just a little bit that show there's a little bit of athletic drop-off for sure. I think that there are some criticisms of Will that are fair and unfair. Some of those are are tough. Like, I think the one where people say that Will Barton is selfish and a ball hog, I don't think that that's fair. I really don't. I think that if you look at some of the tracking data for the Nuggets this season, you will find that Will Barton is definitely not a ball hog in general. 
sometimes he creates a shot for himself. Sometimes he's in a situation where he has to do some creation. And then when he does creation, oh man, do people get really frustrated when it doesn't go well. In terms of touches, I'm just looking at the numbers right here on NBA.com. They may not be updated through tonight's game. And oh man, maybe that'll change everybody's opinion on them. But in terms of touches, Will Barton is third on the team in touches. Jokic leads the league with 98.7. Monte Morris has 61. Will Barton has 54. Faku is still fourth at 42. Aaron Gordon's at 42. So if you just go through, like, let's just go through the starting lineup and kind of the proportion of that. Jokic gets about 100. Monte gets about 60. Will Barton gets 54. He's third in the starting lineup. Jeff Green gets about 28 to 29. Aaron Gordon gets about 42. Now, other people like do think do people think that he touches the ball too often? Do people think that the time of possession is a little bit too high for him? Because he has a lower average seconds per touch than Faku does. He's a lower average seconds per touch than Monte Morris and Bones Highland. He's higher than Aaron Gordon and Austin Rivers and guys like that, but it's because he's a secondary creator. In addition, he averages fewer dribbles per touch than a lot of other of the point guards. And he's somebody who, like his role is always going to be tough, right? Like he's not a 3 and D guard. He's not a, like he's definitely not a D guard, by the way. But he's not just a guy who's a, a complimentary outside shooter. And I think a lot of people want him to be that because they see him driving to the rim and creating off the dribble and think badly of that. What I will say is that if you traded him for like Tony Snell, Denver would get worse, in my opinion, because there would only be a couple of guys in Denver's starting lineup that could realistically handle the ball. And though Denver has, like you're just fully reliant on those guys to be great all the time. And Monte Morris would not handle that. Like, As great as Monte has been this year, part of the value of him is that Will Barton oftentimes is getting the opposing team's best perimeter defender put on him because he's a bigger wing. So you need guys who can also create, who can take pressure off of other people. I just think that that's an unfair criticism of him, whether that's uh, born in, in like Sometimes he over-dribbles at times. Sometimes he takes a bad shot. But the proportion of the bad shots that he actually takes is far fewer than I think people have in their heads. It's just the ones that people see are the ones that stick out in their mind. It's kind of like negative feedback on Twitter. Like, I can read 90 great messages. But if I read three that are negative, those are the ones that I'm going to pick out in my brain which is kind of depressing, but it's just kind of how psychology works. So you see all of the good things that Will Barton does and kind of it passes over because that's what it's supposed to look like. That's what it's supposed to happen. I do this with Monte Morris, actually, where sometimes I forget that he has 15 points and five assists because a lot of it is just within the flow of what the Nuggets do. Barton kind of breaks the flow in a couple of different ways. 
but not to the degree that I think people should be ragging on him as much as they do. Like, he is not Jamal Crawford. He is not Colin Sexton in a lot of different ways where he just doesn't pass to other people. I'll tell, like, I can show you a whole bunch of other people and a whole bunch of other players that you would hate over Will Barton. Like, if you traded Will Barton for Jordan Clarkson, people would throw up. They would hate Jordan Clarkson here because he'd be getting the opportunities. And if you gave him the same number of touches that Will Barton has, he would have at least three to four more shots shot at the same shooting percentage, and people would be beside themselves. It would be so irritating. Yes, Will Barton's shot selection can be a little bit questionable. I'm not necessarily worried about that because it's going to go down once Denver has their guys back. We just haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that in a long time. Michael Porter was healthy for nine games this year. Eight, really. Jamal Murray, the last time we saw him with the fully unified starting lineup, he played like four games. And then the fifth one was the one where he got hurt. So we haven't seen Will Barton in a reduced role in a long time. So I wonder what it looks like. And I wonder if he could be better in that situation and that people would probably lay off him just a little bit more. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to cape for the dude. I think his defense has been rough, and it's been rough all year, and I was pointing it out pretty early. Like, after the first 10 games of the season, it went from like a, a B plus to a D minus for the entire year. And that's frustrating. That's definitely a situation where the Nuggets have had to put Aaron Gordon on Darius Garland and players of that nature for the entire season because Monte Morris can't take that assignment because he's too small, and Will Barton can't take that assignment because he's not good enough. That is frustrating. Also, I think that rebounding is now becoming a little bit of an issue. And I start to look at this, and I I took a look at it from the perspective of year-over-year returns and what to think of it. Because Will Barton is averaging one contested rebound per game this year. Or it's actually less than one. It's 0.8. And I think that's an issue. I think that somebody his size, six foot five, six foot six, should be grabbing more than one contested rebound. Because every high minute guard with a lower contested rebounding percentage than than Barton, than Barton is also shorter than him. Like he's doing the bare minimum from a rebounding perspective this year. Here's his contested rebounding percentage year over year. Drew Hamlin brought this up in, in relation to Nikola Jokic and how many uncontested rebounds he gets. Uh, Drew Hamlin also left out the, the small fact that Jokic grabs the most contested rebounds in the NBA. But I digress. Here's Will Barton this year. Contested, or contested rebounding percentage by year. 2015-16, 24.2%. That's really good. 2016-17, 22.2%. Still good, above average. 17, 18, 19.1%. Drops kind of to average right there. That's that's kind of an average year. But again, he's six foot five, six foot six, 190. So I'm not necessarily worried about it being average. 18, 19, 22.6%. That was also the year where he had surgery on his hips. So the fact that he was able to do that and still rebound at a high level, that's a really impressive number. 2019, 20, uh, 
before the bubble season and the kind of partial to that. Actually, it was before the bubble because he got hurt. Uh, 26.8%. That was his best rebounding year by far. Looked great. 2020-21, last year, 21.7%. Definitely a drop off from the year before, but still really good. This year, 17.3%. It's a career low. And this is one of those athletic indicators that you're looking for when you're looking for drop-off from a, uh, especially from a guard, especially from somebody who had made his bones about grabbing some rebounds. And Will Barton has been a good rebounding guard for a long time. He is no longer a good rebounding guard. He has to slide to the three oftentimes. He, He starts at the two, slides to the three. So he has to be able to grab some of these boards. And he's just not. And especially when somebody is there kind of contesting the rebound too, he is not capable of doing it anymore. 17.3%. It's like Cole Anthony level. Cole Anthony is a six foot three point guard. That's not great. I think these athletic indicators also show up in the one-on-one defense, in the help side defense, in driving to the rim. Like, I don't think any of those things right now for him are where they need to be. And I look at these factors, and I think less about the three-point percentage with him. I think about what he does with the opportunities that he has when he's going off the dribble. It's a lot more pull-up deep twos. It's a lot more avoiding the contact. Sometimes he will drop it off to Jokic, and those are mostly the plays that work the best. But if he tries to get to the rim, he doesn't get as many calls as he used to because he's not getting as high off the ground. And he's not finishing at a super high level. So I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned with him from an athletic perspective that this might be the point where he starts to drop off. The offense itself, Jokic has proven this year that, like, I, I look at the two-man net rating chart that I pointed, I put out this year. Austin Rivers has been fantastic. Davon Reed has been fantastic. Bryn Forbes has found his way. Bones Highland has been positive. All of those guys have had massively positive numbers with Nikola Jokic. And Will Barton, for whatever reason, just hasn't. And there are some other factors in that, but I also do think that Denver has just been better this year, not necessarily with Barton off the court, but just with a player and a player type that is less intrusive, that is less involved in the formula, because the formula right now is get the ball to Jokic and let him cook. Sometimes it's via the pick and roll. Sometimes it's off of screens. Sometimes it's in the post, however it is. Getting the ball to Jokic is good. And Denver has still been okay in those situations where they they don't necessarily need the secondary creator. When Jokic has been double teamed and they've had other guys, uh, like a lot of what Matt Moore says. And and so I've been going back and forth with him on a variety of topics, but I'm going to push back on him with this. I do think that Denver needs a secondary creator in situations where teams front the post, where you have somebody trying to enter a pass into the post to try to go to Jokic. Somebody's fronting Jokic. You have help on the the backside of that towards the rim. 
There's no real window. Denver should be able to swing the ball, and it should be able to find somebody who can create. That person is not Barton. And I've sort of had to come to grips with that over the course of this year. But I just don't think that it's Will anymore. And that's too bad. That is really, really too bad because it's not necessarily what they paid Will to do, but they paid him to be better as a creator. Somebody who could consistently give them good minutes as a driver, as somebody who creates offense, and also as somebody who could help lift up units that don't have Jokic. He's been really bad in situations where the Nuggets have needed him to create offense, with the second unit especially. Denver's been better when they've given the ball to Bones in the second unit than they have when they've given the ball to Will. I don't know if that's necessarily a reflection on Will, but I do think that it is something to note that as Denver kind of gets into the playoffs this year, Barton isn't a bad player. He's just been a player this year that's been pulled in too many different directions. And I'm a little bit worried that even when Murray and Porter come back, there are going to be a lot of opportunities to feature those guys. But then some of what Will does is going to be a little bit less important. And the lack of defense in Murray and Porter lineups is going to probably be a factor too. And you're not getting that defense from Will, I don't think, unless he just levels up in the playoffs and plays a different role. That would be great. I just don't really expect it to happen. Murray and Porter are just going to be better in a lot of those situations than Will is. And there's going to be a lot of times, I think, where Austin Rivers closes over Barton in the playoffs, where Jeff Green closes over Will, where... Monte Morris or Bones Highland or somebody like that closes over Will. And whether that's the right or wrong call, I don't know. But I do think that Will has more or less been the fifth most important starter this year. I think the Jokic is by and far, far and away, the most important guy. Aaron Gordon's probably been the second most important just because he gives Denver somebody that they can throw on the opposing team's best player all the time. Monte's been third. He might even be second, just because he's been able to stabilize things. And I think Jeff Green's been fourth. Because of his ability to kind of play that system that the Nuggets need, where they get some easy shots and easy opportunities. And Jeff's been a lot better than Will at that. So I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned about what Barton's going to look like when the playoffs roll around. He needs to have a good playoff run. I know everybody's banged up. I know everybody's tired. But this is probably the healthiest that Will Barton has ever been heading into a playoff series for Denver. And like if he's 90% health, 95% full health right now, 85%, whatever the number is, it's been way higher than where he was previously. So I need him to... I don't need him. Like, what I hope is that he performs at a high level, that he can prove the doubters wrong, that he can be a massive part of a win or a series win or a championship run or whatever it needs to be. 
Like, I hope he can be a part of that. I want to see him be a part of that. I want to see him be rewarded after seven years with this organization as somebody who fought through all of the injury strife, the defensive concerns, and managed to get out on the other side of it. I'm just concerned. I I don't think that's going to happen. And if I were projecting it right now, I would probably want Austin Rivers closing more games than I wanted Will Barton to. That's a scary thing. That's a, that's a really tough place to be. So we will see. We will see what, what ends up happening. Is Will going to be benched? No. He's still going to be the starting two guard heading into the playoffs. And I think that that's the right call. You want to see Murray, Porter, Barton, Gordon, and Jokic. You want to see all of those guys together. That was the goal. That's what the front office wants to see. That's for sure. If they get that opportunity, if they see what Will Barton looks like, and it's good, then it probably means that Denver is in a conference finals or pretty close to it. If it goes badly, then you might see changes. And we'll just have to see what those changes end up being. It might be Will. He's probably the guy that you're you're looking to change at that point. But we will see. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate all the love and support, as always. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know what your thoughts are on Will. I know that everybody is more negative and down, of course. I want him to succeed. More than, more than like so many things, I really, really want him to succeed. I want to be proven wrong by this. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. Good God. Uh, just uh, Let me just stutter through the rest of this, uh, this episode here. Denver plays Boston on Sunday. I'll have a podcast up on Monday. Maybe we'll get a surprise guest for, for that podcast. I think that we could probably make something happen. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.